Coming up this evening on NTD Business, Twitter accepts Elon Musk's offer. What changes might he make to the platform? We talked to an FCC commissioner about his letter to Apple CEO Tim Cook, accusing Cook of hypocrisy and censorship. Pictures of empty shelves in Beijing as panic buying breaks out. Residents worried a Shanghai-style lockdown could be coming. That and much more coming up on NTD Business. Great to have you with us. Paul Graney here, live from New York City. It's official. Twitter has accepted Elon Musk's $44 billion offer. The deal will put the world's richest man in charge of one of the most influential social media platforms. In a statement, Musk said, quote, free speech is the bedrock of a functioning democracy, and Twitter is the digital town square where matters vital to the future of humanity are debated. He says he wants to make Twitter better and listed several changes. We'll have more details on that in just a minute. Musk will pay $54.20 per share to shareholders, roughly a 5% premium on today's price. The platform has about 217 million daily active users, but it recorded a $200 million loss last year. Now, industry observers will be watching if any of Musk's changes will be enough to attract new users, maybe bring back some old ones. Twitter will report first quarter earnings this Thursday. So what changes might Musk make? He's a few ideas in today's fake quarter. I think it's very important for uh, there to be an inclusive arena for free speech. Now that Elon Musk is Twitter's new owner, what changes will actually take place? Musk gave some clues back on April the 14th. Open source the algorithm um, and make any changes uh, to people's tweets. You know, if they're emphasized or de-emphasized, uh, that action should be made apparent. Musk says there will be no behind-the-scenes manipulation this way. Most algorithms are the secret sauce of a company. Scott Schober is the author of Cybersecurity is Everybody's Business. Schober says algorithms are instructions that the computer program uses to sort the content in your feed. Schober says there could be downsides to making it public. Other social media giants can quickly look at that and try to exploit copy that same type of algorithm to their advantage and it could break down the competition. Musk says the code could be posted to GitHub, where people should be able to look at the code, comment on it, and suggest changes. Why are some people re reaching 5% of their audience, some people reaching 50% of their audience? Jeff Brain is the CEO of social platform CloudHub. Brain says the algorithm should be open and that his own platform doesn't use an algorithm. Musk also brought up having an edit feature. But you don't only have the edit capability for a short period of time. This way, there will be fewer people retweeting tweets before they've been changed. Maybe a 60-second window where you posted something and then you look at it and it's like, oh no, I, I have this typo here. What do I do? Jeremy Knopf is the founder of Spartan Media. Knopf says this also prevents people from changing history. And finally, another priority is... Eliminating the, the spam and, and scam bots. Um, and the bot armies that are on Twitter. Spam bots are computer programs that post on Twitter, pretending to be real people. Jeremy Knopf, founder of Spartan Media, says Twitter has not done a good job of destroying them. Combating spam bots is, is an incredibly difficult process. What you have to do is you have to basically leverage big data and artificial intelligence to evaluate what they're doing. Musk already has a team in place. They've already got the background. They're using AI extensively 
in SpaceX and Tesla. Twitter announced the deal was final Monday afternoon. Faye Quarter, NTD News. And markets closed higher today, staging a late-day rally. The Dow rose 238 points, 7 tenths of a percent. S&P gained 24.6 tenths of a percent. And the Nasdaq gained 166 points, 1 and 3 tenths of a percent. S&P Energy Index dropping as oil prices are down 3%. WTI is under $100 a barrel, good for your gas bill maybe. Google owner Alphabet rallied ahead of his quarterly report after the bell. Microsoft and Facebook, all big tech, also gaining. With us now is our man on the money, Lance Roberts, great Texan, chief strategist at RIA Advisors, managing a billion dollars in assets. Lance, good to see you. Always happy to be here, Paul. Nice to see you. Do you have any Twitter stock? Uh, no, unfortunately not today. <laughs> would you have liked to have some? Yeah, I would have liked to have had some. It was a, it was an interesting trade uh, overall, you know, with, uh, you know, Elon Musk. And of course, now he's taking the company private. The big question here, though, is does Twitter actually make enough money to justify a $44 billion cash value, right? So a lot of the value of Twitter was simply the price of the stock by the number of shares outstanding. The revenue certainly is going to make a, a challenge to try to make this a private company being profitable, pay back that $44 billion. So let's talk about it then, because I assume the shareholders put a lot of pressure on the board to actually put this deal through. You think they're thinking the same way as you are? Oh, absolutely. Look, you know, at, at the end of the day, you know, the initial pushback by Twitter was fraught with a lot of problems because they were pushing back on the idea that he was going to take this company and he was going to make it a platform for free speech, which is not what they wanted. And but you know, they have a responsibility to shareholders and the value that was being offered was well above the intrinsic value of the company. So as a duty to shareholders and, and not to get sued by their shareholders overall, I mean, if they had continued to push back on Elon Musk, they would have been sued by shareholders. So the actual resolution was not a surprise, even after they passed the poison pill. It was only a function of time until that bid took hold. As an investor, would you bet on Musk to make it happen, make it profitable? Uh, you know, it's, it's social media is a tricky environment. And, you know, there's a lot of companies out there that have tried to in, in, intervene in the space, right? Parler, others, and have not really been able to get the foothold that Twitter, Facebook and YouTube have done. And so the question is, is, you know, Twitter's already an established place. However, interestingly, young people don't use Twitter. They use Instagram, which is a property of Facebook. They use TikTok and Snapchat, um, so, you know, which is also a public company. So whether or not Twitter can maintain its value is, is going to be questionable in the future because it's going to be more of a demographic issue as much as it is just a user issue. Are you surprised he pulled off the deal so quickly? Yeah, actually, the turnaround was pretty quick, but he did get some he got some pretty heavy duty backers to help him out as well. Not surprising. I mean, as much money as he's worth, banks were more than happy to loan him, you know, a couple of billion dollars here and there. So not surprising he got it done. And down on Wall Street, looked like it was going to be a pretty red day this morning, right? Things turned around kind of big style about 2 p.m. You think yeah. someone's buying the dip? Yeah, absolutely. We, we were talking about this uh, in our daily market commentary over the last really last few days is that markets are very oversold short term. We were approaching the March lows. We bounced right off those March lows this morning, got a bit of buying. Now, interestingly enough, the buying today, and you mentioned this coming in about oil prices, 
if you saw where the buying was today, it was in the cyclical stocks, primarily the technology stocks, suggesting that maybe that inflation trade's a bit behind us. And that's something important here because as the Fed starts to, to raise rates, uh, interest rates and start to taper their balance sheet in May. One of the things I think they're going to note is that inflation may now kind of be in the rearview mirror, the peak of inflation. And I think that was a little bit of what was being reflected today, the shift back from this inflation trade of energy stocks, et cetera, back into more of the deflationary trade or disinflation trade of companies like tech that can grow earnings in a slower economic environment. As always, Lance Roberts, RI Advisors, appreciate it. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you. And the group that organized a union at an Amazon warehouse in New York City has set its sights on Staten Island. Hundreds of Amazon employees at a local sorting facility held a rally in front of the union. New York Rep. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders met with workers there Sunday. Employees of the sorting facility known as LDJ5 will decide whether to vote to join the Amazon Labor Union. That's the name of the newly established union representing warehouse workers. Amazon has filed an appeal with the National Labor Relations Board, though, accusing the agency of, quote, unfairly and inappropriately facilitating the union's win. And Amazon's second headquarters, right by Washington, D.C., has been approved by county lawmakers. The review process took over a year. Amazon's HQ, HQ2 will take up 10 acres in Arlington, Virginia, including childcare facilities, retail, and around three acres of open space. Office buildings will be spearheaded by a flashy glass helix building with walkable ramps that simulate a mountain hike. The county expects the new headquarters to bring 25,000 tech jobs to the area. A lot of tech jobs. And megafund Blackstone is buying even more real estate. This time it's buying PS Business Parks for over $7 billion. This means it's getting 27 million square feet of industrial parks, business parks, including offices and rental properties. 27 million square feet, by the way, is almost the size of New York City's Central Park. Properties are scattered throughout California, Texas, Miami, Northern Virginia. And this is just the latest in its estate buying spree. It's been spending billions on real estate including America's biggest publicly traded student housing developer, American Campus Communities. Remember those crypto ads from the Super Bowl just a while ago? Well, they certainly got a lot of attention, but did they convince you or anyone you know? Entities Phil Zoe reports. Over 200 million people tuned into the Super Bowl this past February. That means a lot of eyes were on at least one of the four crypto ads that played during the game. The goal was to make the top brands known in each of the households that were watching the Super Bowl. But were the ads successful in getting new crypto customers? Where so many folks have known about it and known about the potential, um, and people are coming on board with all their new stimulus checks and the Biden uh, bills that were sent out. The White House recently said about 16% or 40 million Americans either traded, invested, or used crypto. Right now, the process in actually getting a wallet and going on an exchange is, is rather difficult. Until they make that easy, uh, as seamless as you know, a transaction at my store or you know, like a credit card, I think it's going to be very difficult for people to really acclimate to cryptocurrency. Spot trading volume for crypto was only $700 billion in March, the month following the Super Bowl. That figure was over $1 trillion for 9 out of 12 months last year. There's a geopolitical crisis with 
primarily Ukraine, and also the Fed claiming that they're going to in raise interest rates, which they've been doing, um, and as well as inflation. So consumer confidence is definitely low due to uncertainty. David Girard is a crypto analyst. He says the Super Bowl ads were a desperate move by the crypto industry. This big promotional push doesn't mean that there's more action happening. The push is happening because there's less action happening. There's less retail volume. There's less fresh actual dollars coming into crypto from ordinary people. And the people in crypto are starting to worry. So they're paying for huge advertisements. I would take extreme caution at this stage. Bitcoin has been trading in a range between $30,000 and right under $50,000. That's after it hit a record high of nearly $70,000 last November. Phil Zoe, NTD News. An FCC commissioner is calling on Apple for censoring content in China. The FCC senior Republican Brendan Carr is especially concerned about Apple blocking the Voice of America app in China, calling it, quote, deeply troubling. It's in a recent letter to Apple CEO Tim Cook. He says it's hypocritical that Cook gave a speech in D.C. recently lauding free speech, while at the same time helping the CCP censor things in China. According to Carr, Apple did the bidding of Communist China by removing the Voice of America app in China. The app is funded by Congress. VOA's website says it exemplifies the principles of a free press and seeks to tell the truth. The Chinese regime, in contrast, blocks many foreign social media and news websites. Carr said China isn't becoming more open because Apple is doing business there far from it. He ended his letter by asking Cook whether Apple will restore access to the VO app in China. He wants an answer by Friday. We reached out to Apple for comment, but haven't heard back yet. So with us is Federal Communications Commissioner Brendan Carr. Commissioner, thank you. Great to be with you. Thanks. Commissioner, how and when did you find out that Apple China had blocked the VOA app? Yeah, just a couple weeks ago, I've been doing a lot of work into Voice of America in connection with trying to get news and information unbiased, unfiltered into countries all over the world. And that's when I learned uh, that the VOA app is repeatedly taken down by Apple, apparently at the behest uh, of communist China. And so I decided to send a letter to Apple about that. I feel this is a symptom of a broader tensions that are growing between the U.S. and China. Do you feel that the U.S. is winning the, quote, information war at the moment? Well, we got to make sure that unfiltered, unbiased news and information gets out there. If you're someone that believes in the power of your own ideas, you just want people to hear them and hopefully be persuaded. And the reality is for decades now, we have heard from large global corporations like Apple that preach about these human right values. And at the same time, they're totally compromised in those values because they are standing shoulder to shoulder with genocidal regimes like communist China. Does the freedom of speech work in reverse? Just before the interview, I checked the Apple App Store here in the States and I can still download Global Times. I can still download China daily. Is that fair on VOA? I think reciprocity has to be a cornerstone of our country's policies. If they're allowed to have their propaganda outlets freely downloadable in our app store here, you know, why can't we have something that is not propaganda, in fact, is walled off from the U.S. government in terms of editorial discretion uh, available there? I think reciprocity has to be the cornerstone of our policies. Is this something the FCC is considering? There's limited, if any, role for the FCC from a regulatory perspective, but I think it's incumbent on me as a commissioner in my job in terms of trying to promote more speech, 
uh, particularly on the internet, to speak out when we see conduct like this and hold people accountable. Again, I think it's quite hypocritical for someone to come to Washington and give this speech while they're engaged in that type of conduct in China. I think it's on incumbent on all of us to call that out. What if Apple doesn't reinstate the app for whatever reason? Yeah, they're not going to reinstate the app. I think that's, that's pretty clear. Um, I think they're going to give some line about how well we always abide by local laws wherever we do business. But that's a, a total euphemism. Uh, local law is the whims of the communist regime of China. And so I think if you are not going to restore VOA, I think that's bad. But please don't come to Washington, D.C. and give us a lecture about human rights when all those principles go out the window the second it comes to maintaining your access in a large and lucrative market like China. Commissioner Carwell, I have you here. Uh, what are your thoughts on the latest Twitter takeover news? Well, I'm very hopeful that um, the news that Elon Musk may in fact be securing a deal to purchase Twitter would result in more free speech on Twitter. I think that's great. But I also don't think we have to hope that a benevolent billionaire buys that platform and then hope that they follow through on their commitment to free speech. I think we need to put in place common sense guardrails that are going to promote more speech. At the end of the day, we want more speech, not less. And there's a lot of misinformation out there about well, you can't have more speech without allowing terrorist content or things like that. No, that's not the case. Do you support uh, this idea of having an open algorithm <coughs> that anybody can see? Yeah, I think there's a couple of core reforms we need. One is transparency, and part of transparency is, yeah, letting people understand what's going on on social media platforms. I think we need accountability, which includes a, an actual appeals process. So when they get things wrong, when speech is taken down, you have the right to appeal that decision. I think we need anti-discrimination uh, provisions, again, to protect sort of core speech. And I think we need 230 reform. I think we need to do all four of those things. But yeah, more transparency. Sunlight is the best disinfectant. So I fully support that step. Federal Communications Commissioner Brendan Carr. Really appreciate it, Commissioner. Thank you. Thanks so much. And lockdowns could be coming to China's capital city, Beijing, as virus cases surge and mass testing begins. Residents are scared. And then Don Ma brings us the story. Some store shelves are nearly empty as panic buying breaks out in Beijing's biggest district, Chaoyang, home to more than 3 million people. Residents are scared because authorities are starting mass virus testing. If a lot of people test positive, the district could go under lockdown. All 3 million people in the district will have to get tested this week. In some areas, the lines for virus testing stretch for multiple blocks. Residents have to get tested not once, not twice. All three million have to get tested three times in one week, starting Monday. Amid lockdown worries, locals are crowding stores and online platforms to stock up on vegetables, meat, noodles and toilet paper. People are a little worried. Some online shopping platforms are being overloaded with orders, so it reflects some of the residents' worries. We are afraid if the shipping services are cut, food and supplies won't be able to meet demand. Grocery stores in parts of Beijing are packed with people. Residents are not taking chances after seeing how Shanghai residents struggled to obtain food amid lockdowns. We didn't think about what to stock up on. I just hope it won't be like Shanghai. I bought something easy to store. Green vegetables are definitely needed. Also some snacks for the kids. 
Residents are hopeful that what happened to Shanghai won't happen to Beijing, but they're still worried. There is definitely a certain degree of worry because locking down will affect jobs and Beijing's overall efficiency. Residents' worries may be justified as authorities are already starting to put up lockdown fences in parts of Beijing. Don Ma, NTD News. The world's largest palm oil producer says it's going to stop exporting it. Indonesia's president said Friday he wants to ensure the availability of the cooking oil in Indonesian homes. The oil and its raw materials are widely used in a range of products ranging from pastries to cosmetics. The export halt could raise costs for packaged food producers globally. Indonesia accounts for more than half of global palm oil supply. The ban will begin Thursday and will continue indefinitely. The war in Ukraine has pushed up fertilizer prices, made scarce supplies rarer and squeezed farmers, especially those in the developing world, struggling to make a living. In the news, Andrew Thomas has more. In Brazil, farmer Eda Milson Rickley shows off a warehouse that would normally be packed with fertilizer bags, but he has only enough to last a few more weeks. The supply chain has already been compromised. We don't know when this conflict will be over so the raw materials from Russia and Belarus can get to Brazil. The question is, where is Brazil going to get more fertilizer? We have to find other markets, but things aren't so simple. Brazil is the world's fourth largest consumer of fertilizer, and last year, 85% of the total amount used was imported. In Kenya, Monica Kariuki is about to give up farming because of the price of fertilizer. Kariuki used to spend $175 to fertilize her entire farm in the outskirts of Nairobi. Now she would need to spend five times as much. I used to spend about $175 for fertilizer for the whole farm, but now it will go up to $875. What I can see is that I can't continue with the farming business. Because of the losses, I'm quitting farming to try something else. And many developing nations already face food scarcity challenges. The number of people facing food insecurity has increased over the last year especially after the pandemic, to over, I think it's over 800 million people. Analysts warn that higher fertilizer prices mean reduced farm production, leading to costlier food. Andrew Thomas, NTD News. Still to come, stay with us. A London car show features some of the most expensive cars from the past and present on the grounds of the iconic Royal Chelsea Hospital. And an important costume from the Wizard of Oz going up for auction. Where has it been hiding all this time? That and more coming up on NTD Business. Welcome back. 
Elon Musk's Starlink will provide in-flight Wi-Fi on some of Hawaiian Airlines aircraft. The airline made the announcement today. Hawaiian says the wireless internet is expected to be installed on a select aircraft next year. Starlink is trying to expand its satellite internet service beyond consumers in rural areas who have little to no internet access. One of Dorothy's dresses from The Wizard of Oz could fetch upwards of $1.2 million at auction next month. Bonhams is auctioning off this blue and white dress that Julie, Judy Garland wore for the scene at the Witch's Castle, you might remember. This is only the second complete final costume with both blue and white pinafore dresses and blouse known to exist. The fabric label is inscribed Judy Garland. During the pandemic, a retired drama professor discovered red discovered the dress while going through boxes from his former office. Turns out the dress was donated to the school by actress Mercedes McCambridge back in 1973. The auction is set to go for May 24th in Los Angeles. Some of the most expensive cars, past and present, were showcased recently at the iconic Royal Chelsea Hospital in London. Some were for sale for those who can afford them. Introduce Andrew Thomas with the details. This London car show is a chance for manufacturers and dealers to sell to customers with deep pockets. One of the historical stars of the show is this 1934 Bernato Hassan Special. It's estimated to be worth around $5.4 million. For those on a tighter budget, at least it's a chance to see the cars up close. Salon Privé, what is it? It's a, it's, a, it's a fashion show for cars, it's a beauty parade. Uh, we have the best manufacturers from around the world mixed in with a lot of luxury brands. It's an experience, so great food, great hospitality, champagne all day long, what's not to like? There are also three world debuts, like the Austin Healey by Caton. It's based on the original 1954 Austin Healey, but it's been updated with modern manufacturing and made a bit bigger to accommodate modern-day larger drivers. It costs $500,000 with a 12-month wait for delivery. I think the, the Austin Healey has a beautiful form. Both the exterior design um, is, is fantastic. Back when they were making the cars in the 1950s, they had certain compromises that they had to make to the car in the way they manufactured the car. And we've been able to use modern manufacturing techniques to, uh, to, to change that and improve it. One of the classics that's gone electric is this Mustang. It's based on a 1967 Fastback model. It keeps the iconic silhouette of the 67, but is now built in much lighter carbon fiber panels. The car will start from $450,000 and 499 of them will be produced. People want to drive design icons. Um, soon it's going to be more and more difficult. And with this car, it's, clearly it's a zero emissions car. It's, it's, full of the latest technology. Salon Privé launched 17 years ago. Andrew Thomas, NTD News. Very cool. That's the latest from the NTD business team and myself, Paul Graney. You can still catch NTD Evening News. That's with Stephanie Cox at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. Follow me on Twitter, too, if you're there. For NTD Business, it's all for today. Thank you for watching. We'll see you tomorrow.